Welcome back to Hey on Track Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast featuring everything there is to know in the English language about on Track Frankfurt. I am Chris in Detroit. Uh, Brian is still out for a bit. Uh, he's doing well. No worries. <laughs> Somebody messaged me. Uh, why are you hosting? I want Brian back. I do That's too. That's mean. <laughs> I, if they do it again, I'm going to call them out. But uh, it was all in love. So, um, uh, as you hear in the background, I'm not solo today like I was this weekend, thankfully. Uh, Matt is here from the city so nice. They named it twice. How you doing, Matt? I'm good, Chris. Good. Miss you, Brian. I know you're doing well, but uh, it's good to have you and I on here, uh, Chris. It's going to be a good episode, especially after a big dub by the boys. Why? What happened this weekend? Why don't you lead off? I mean, we finally showed up. You know, it seems like we've unpacked our bags from summer vacation, from the Europa League festivities, and uh, we decided to show up here at the Bundesliga season. You know, I mean, 4-3 victory. I mean, a high-scoring game. I mean, Bremen has had two thriller back-to-back games, you know, two two games for them that could potentially be games of the season as of right now. Well, they probably are, but... Holy moly, did we finally show up. I mean, it's I mean, we had all of the goals that they scored against us were just defensive like whoop-de-doos and you know, heads not screwed on right. But I mean, it seems just like everywhere in the Bundesliga, you know, there's no defense being played. So, you know, I mean, yes, we can't get out of out of our own way at this point, it seems like on the defensive side. So like if we ever have a clean sheet this season, you know, we should celebrate it as if we won three games in a row. Um, but nonetheless, on the attacking front, Chris, I mean, we fucking killed it. I thought we absolutely killed it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's do a short review for those that didn't have the opportunity to watch or haven't watched it three times like I have. Um, you know, uh, the formation was pretty much what we've expected, uh, minus one at the top. Uh, but four at the back, Jakic, Tuta, uh, Indica, and Pellegrini. I love Pellegrini back there. I think he's stable. He's he's slid in there with very short op, uh, notice and made the most of his opportunity. We'll get more on into that in a bit. Uh, in the midfield, um, Sebastian Rota, so uh, solid as always with those two. Uh, Jabril So picking up a yellow card, a little, eh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Yeah, definitely made up for it. And um, the forwards, Lindstrom, Gota in the middle, Kamada out on the left, and I think everybody's new favorite player, uh, the switch at the top that I think has been coming for a bit, and it was certainly justified this weekend with Kolo Muani up top instead of Rafael Santos Bore. What do you make of that? I mean, he's early contender for Bundesliga player in the year, in my eyes. I mean, he's been involved in all six or four of our goals that we or six of our goals that we scored so far this season. You know, scoring two, assisting the other four. I mean, this guy's a game changer. This guy's a difference maker. I mean, he's a very, very effective player. I mean, if there's any person I can compare him to, is probably Holland in terms of like you know this tall, skinny, like super, super fast like striker who you know has a great um touch on the ball as well i mean his his goal he scored against baron was unbelievable where he was able to you know tiki taka between himself in between his legs and get past the the defenders but i mean this this kid's unreal i mean it sucks that you know we have bore who's you know obviously a legend in itself by just being here with us for a year um, it sucks that we have Kolomani up there, but it's exciting for us with, uh, for our depth purposes, especially with all the games we've been playing with Champions League and DFB. 
Randall Kolomuani is my early Bundesliga player of the year, and I'm not even exaggerating. There's an argument to be made there. Uh, Every time he touches the ball, literally every time he touches the ball, he's juking someone out of their jock, he's breaking ankles, he's setting someone up for a goal. I mean, that goal in the second minute from Goza, which is great to see him um, aggressive as he was getting into open space so early in the match and Kolomuani setting him up there is outstanding. Um, is finishing the 32nd minute with the goal and he's just, he's kind of, he's Bore with the Steroids. 100% go. We always talk <laughs> about, we always talk about how Bore's motor is always there. And I thought he was the most motivated guy in this team until we saw RKM in the last couple weeks. And it's just incredible how quick he's done this. My my only point of caution is that we have seen this in the past. Um, with the one that comes to mind the fastest is Hauga, your guy, uh, your brother in hair that you know came in and just looked like a world beater the first few matches and slowly faded away a bit. Um I'm not saying to expect that here, but a little caution. You know, he's got the energy, he's amped up, but it is four weeks into the season. There's a chance that some of that pace falls off a bit, especially as we get into two-a-week matches. But right now, there's just not enough good things to say. I mean, the difference really between Bore and Moane is Moane is 100% in it every single time. And I don't know if you noticed this when he got subbed off, but, like, he wasn't, you know, huffing or puffing or anything like that. It seemed like he still had a couple minutes to go, you know, possibly getting that in the second one of the day. Um, yeah. He, it's, 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 because Bore, you know, Bore is a very, I guess, reactive striker where he does really well and responds really well when, you know, after, like, a mishap or something like that, where Kolo Moane is, you know, doesn't, I guess, dread on the mishaps that he has before. You know, if he screws up, you know, he gets right back in it, asks for the ball, and boom, already beaten the uh, the right back or the left back. You know, I mean, this 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 kid is nonstop. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the wear and tear is definitely going to limit him a little bit because when he was playing with Nantes, you know, they weren't playing as much international soccer as what he's going to be playing here with us in, a, in you know, starting in a couple of weeks, on, which is even wilder to think. But, um, yeah, I mean this 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 is so far this I mean obviously the signing of the season. Yeah, so far everything has worked out I think better than we had planned. Um, so in a four two match, uh, four being the good side of things, there were two bad things that happened, and Kevin Trapp. You know I'm not throwing him out there at all. Uh, he there's nothing he could have done. I think in either opportunity there. Um, but he never likes seeing two goals on the sheet. We're Frankfurt. We're always going to allow one. Uh, but two on the sheet is tough for him to take sometimes. Were these defensive lapses? Um, I Big mean, time. The, the, the second one was outstanding. Obviously, the first one, you never clear the ball. I mean, my daughter is seven years old, and we're teaching her don't clear the ball in the middle. And now this is twice in the last couple of weeks where – uh, defenders tried to clear the ball up the middle and oh shit, look at that. The other team puts one in. And then the second one, the quick restart, uh, the extraordinary header right over traps fingers, uh, from outside the box, just incredible touch on that. It's as simple as that. I mean, it was a shit clearance from Kolomwani on the back end. I mean, granted, he doesn't clear most of the balls, but he is back there. But when you clear the ball, you better clear the damn ball and connect the ball to your cleat. Um, 
the free kick goal was just, I mean, we were we were asleep. You know, it was a quick free kick that no one expected it. Yes, it was a wonder header. Yes, you know, Trap wasn't on his line and wasn't ready for it because of how unexpected the free kick was. But, I mean, like, you got to stay awake in those situations, man. I mean, yeah. it, it seems like we're struggling. We're going to be struggling on set pieces here in the season. I mean, the way it started right now with, you know, the previous games, the way we've conceded goals. Um it's definitely not a good look, and we definitely need to work on the set-piece side of things, especially if we have people like Endika, Tuta, even now Jakic, you know, sitting back there, even Jibril So, I mean, these are big dudes, you know? Like, yeah. we shouldn't be losing these 50-50s, especially on set-pieces. Now, I said 4-2 to two because there's a debatable third goal from Werder Bremen. Uh, what do you make of the penalty, especially on the heels of last week's? I think we all agreed last week uh, – or two weeks ago, whatever that was, Bore was definitely not uh, a good foul call. That that taking that card back and taking away the penalty was the right call. What did you make of this penalty call that went in Bremen's favor? Ah, uh, I it, it is what it is. I mean, it, it's it's just one of those situations where you know you can't really. I don't know. It just sucks. It's, what, what that what showed me about that penalty situation is that VAR is not going to be your friend at all this season, as it has compared as it been like in the past seasons before. I mean, I think what was stupid about it too is how long it took for them to make the decision. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough call. I mean, I would have probably given it. I mean, I was expecting a penalty. Um, to be quite honest with you, so I mean, yeah. What what did you I think-, think about it? I think the difference um, was that Bore had that extra step when he went down, uh, before he went down. And in this case, the contact came and the player went down. Even though it was incidental contact, it was nothing intentional. It was nothing that would knock somebody down. When you're running at full speed and get kicked in the bottom of the foot like that, and there's no extra step in there, he didn't think about going down his momentum took him down. And I thought it was a fair call. Um, I think if it had gone the other way on the pitch and it had not been called right away, they may have not awarded it. But right. just, you know, the fact that they reviewed it, um, I, I'm i not a conspiracy theorist. I think the call was accurate given what happened in, in real time. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's 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 getting we're getting to the stage of the season where like, you know, we've played four games now and you know, we're seeing kind of like the same trends. I mean, you know, it's kind of saying the same thing where it's like crap. Like our defensive woes are struggling again, especially on the side of um whatchamacallit, um, on the set piece side of things. Like, here we go. Now we have another late VAR situation that didn't go in our favor, you know. Granted, like you said earlier with Bore should have stayed up yeah with Andika, you know that just sucks like no one that's obviously not intentional it's just you know it is how it, it is what it is over there but uh it's i, I just it, these these trends are i see it i'm seeing these two trends happening right now that i hope we can break out in these next couple of games and hopefully champions league can kind of get out of this funk too as well but i mean you know we play three different seasons and we're three different teams in those seasons you know we're we're a completely different dfb eintracht we're a completely different bundesliga eintracht and a completely different most likely going to be a completely different champions league eintracht so as if we can break these trends with the var and the um the set piece issues, I you know, we would definitely be in a positive direction, but we're not typically a good team that, you know, can break out of certain mojos, you know, <laughs> especially with last year having seven freaking 
won one draws, you know, in the start of the season before we got our first win. So I agree with you. Um, for stat geeks like myself, uh, shots 10-10, pretty even there. Shots on target, though, for me is a difference. Uh, four for Werder Bremen, obviously two going in and one from the spot. Uh, seven on target for us. It sure felt like we had a lot more quality chances. Um, I know Werder Bremen defenders blocked a few shots. A couple went wide. But it, we were out-possessed 56-44. to 44. And I didn't know that. I didn't look at the stats until prepping for the show today. Um, it sure felt like we had a lot more control of that match. Maybe it's because a lot of our opportunities were kind of in that old uh, Addy Hooter style. Sorry for using profanity. Uh, in that style we used to play of the counterattack. And that seems to be making a comeback the last couple weeks. And it, it's been really effective especially against Werder Bremen, who, you know, they had more possession of us, but it wasn't a lot of clean possession. Obviously, right. the counterattack worked in our favor a lot. I think that's something we can look to exploit, especially with our depth in the midfield and all the experience we have there. If we can create turnovers and get quick guys like Lindstrom and Kolomuani on the counterattack, um, possession may not be as important to us if we're putting goals on the on the board as we are. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And it definitely felt like at times where, you know, the times when Bremen did have possession, they had possession in their own half. They weren't even crossing the half line at, at that point, you know, because we were still having that high press. Um, I am and, a little shocked at the possession uh, percentage for sure. Yeah, and, but part of that too comes into the last point for this match, uh, parking the bus. I, I'm Personally, I'm a fan of it. I think when you're solid defensively or which we're not always, but we're well positioned. Um, I feel like it's a good way. It's a good strategy when you're up to why take risks when you don't need to, I feel like it almost cost us in this one a bit. Maybe we went that direction a little too early. Did you think we settled in too early? Should we have just kept the foot on the gas? I mean, I kind of thought we did kind of kept the foot on the gas, you know, especially with making the um, the Knauf substitution. You know, I felt like, okay, like we're going get, to get, get the ball in the corner here and just end it out like that, you know. I'm not so high on the theory of, you know, parking the bus just because, like, if you're going to win a game, you know, you may as well control the game. And then if you are up a goal or two goals within those closing minutes, you know, go put the ball in the corner and go stand there for a little bit. You know, like if you, you want to have that control, like that, that really shows me, okay, like this is our game. We won this. Like you're not getting past us. Like have as many goal uh, – corner kicks and uh, free throws as you like here for us. But um, I mean, I like, I mean the, the, I, I like the, I like the lens substitution just because, you know, it's great to have a, a left back over there, especially nice to see some depth, especially with the Pellegrini side of things. I mean, Loda can't play 90 minutes, so he has to get some down one way or the other. <laughs> Neither does Jesper. Jesper can't play 90 minutes either. So, I mean, yes, kind of did we play a, defensive um i mean we definitely played a defensive way when we made those substitutions but in terms of defensive players you know with bore alario and Knauf in there you know i i think i think glasner wanted us to be a more attacking side but once you know once it got closer to like the 88th minute and the penalty and stuff like that you know obviously we had our tails tucked in between our legs and we had to sit back there so but hey at the yeah. end of the day yeah. three points is three points and I think there's something that, that we, that's something we can adjust with when we make that wholesale, 
you know, hockey style five man line change late in the match. Um, and we, we took both an offensive and defensive route with Knauf in there, Bore in there. But at the same time, Chandler, Lentz, um, Alario is a guy that can track back well. Those guys have a lot of experience too. So instead of entirely parking the bus, when you got fresh legs out there, um, maybe use them a little bit. Knowing these guys have the speed, have the freshness to track back on defense, let's not take the foot entirely off the gas, kind of feather it a little bit you know, and, and see where it leads you. But it did feel like it was a very abrupt uh, slowdown there right around the 75th minute or so. Right. I definitely agree but with hey, you. Points. I mean, three points is three points. And I'm just noticing on the bench, too, that we, you know, we had our new PSG setting and Pipe in there. But, I mean, where is Ali Du? I was – I'm surprised he didn't make the trip. Yeah. I mean – there's a lot to be had about that, uh, the whole depth thing. Guys are right. fighting for position, and if you're not in that 18 best players come Thursday afternoon, you know, when, when Glasner is making that roster on Friday morning, seeing who he's going to play on the weekend, it, it's, you know, every man for himself. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I wonder if this is... Glasner's sending a message to Ali Do. Maybe he's slacking in practice and now he's, you know, just yep. making sure that, hey, even if someone new came in, he has a chance on the roster. So maybe it's some mental games that Glasner plays. So three points on the weekend. Uh, looking around the league, it was <laughs> a very um, interesting weekend. A couple big ones, a couple uh, stinkers. A big one um, in Gelsenkirchen. Union Berlin 6, Schalke 1. That is uh, that's one that sets the table uh, really well in the goal differential favor. Um, another one that caught my attention, it doesn't mean a whole lot in the standings at this point, uh, but Leverkusen with a nice rebound against Mines, uh, 3-0. Uh, I don't know. Finally. It, yeah, I, I mean, we all knew that the table would balance itself out. Um, they always do, but... You know, at this point, everything's kind of a seesaw back and forth. And with teams gearing up here for Europe in the next 10 days, um, it's going to be interesting to see how teams settle in this coming weekend. But what but, about Gladbach and Gladbach holding yeah. it down against Bayern for that long? I mean, oh, yeah, that I I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, but the way Bayern has put goals in the net so far, holding them to one in a match, that's a point Gladbach will happily take home with them. I mean, Jan Zoma had himself a career day. I mean, 20 saves, essentially. I mean, <laughs> Byron's shot the, on the goal t- 33 times. Like, the fact that they were able to get off 33 shots is impressive. The fact they were only get one goal is even more impressive out of 33 shots for how strong this team is or how the strong yeah. how strong this team has been. And I don't want to keep talking about Byron anymore because I feel myself puking out of my mouth as I speak here. But, I but mean, that is kind of what we expected from Byron this year without uh, Lewandowski in there um we thought you know oh they'll they'll get shots they'll struggle to score they definitely had it this weekend despite a real strong start in other matches exactly exactly and now you know after this week four there's only four undefeated teams within uh, the bundesliga um would you like to take a care a guess without looking at the table who it is why don't you tell me? Because I'm already looking at the table. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, it's 
Well, for the listeners, it's you would you would obviously guess you know Bayern Dortmund. No, not even close. Well, Bayern obviously that's a given. Union Berlin is has three wins and one draw. They've only had three goals conceded against them right now, especially after that six one thrashing against Schalke. Uh, Köln is another team that is undefeated right now. Um, they're sitting in eighth, and then Gladbach is also still undefeated with two wins and two draws. Um, so I mean. This is it's opening up to a very very interesting season as of right now. You know, I mean, with the bottom three being Bochum, which is expected, and Hatta, Schalke, and Wolfsburg. You know, the big dogs back like you know ten years ago are looking like they aren't you know back to themselves. I mean, we'll see how Leverkusen bounces back again next season. But I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be a little crazy. Yeah, uh, Bayern at the top of the table on goal differential plus fourteen. After four matches, that, that never is matters. Absolutely insane. It never um, matters. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna win that goal differential. The question is who can keep up with them on points. Uh, Union Berlin tied with them with ten points. Freiburg, Hoffenheim, Dortmund with nine. Gladbach in six uh, with eight points. Any anyone in the table surprising you? I know it's still super early, but anybody too high or too low that you know is just not gonna hang. I think what's crazy is Werder Bremen has scored 10 goals already this season. They've already conceded 10 goals as well. And they're sitting in 10th. So if that's no Illuminati weird crap going on here, I think 10 is Werder Bremen's number this season. But I think in all honesty, um, Hoffenheim has really been a surprise this year. I mean, just with the, just the one loss. And, you know, uh, recently we'll see how they bounce back out of it. But the fact that they're still in the, in the top four place after a loss is um, pretty incredible. And I'm glad to see Freiburg continuing their um, ways from last year. So it's definitely going to be a little bit tighter of a top four race than what, you know, we would think. Um, yeah. Previous years. And Leverkusen finally getting that elusive victory. I think that was key for them. Um just, I mean, not that there's a relegation battle at this point, but heading into to European play, uh, seeing yourself with zero victories, depending on how they do this weekend, potentially going in with zero victories into Europe uh, would be quite a buzzkill for them uh, with all yeah. the hype that was there. For sure. And we'll see what happens with Köln, too, because you could tell the fatigue settled in for them this weekend, you know, not even getting uh, three points out of a 10-man Stuttgart. So... We'll see how that kind of works out for them. You know, we'll see if they end up dropping a couple points in this Bundesliga because of the Conference League. So, once once well, with once European game comes in and then the World Cup games happen afterwards, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, this is going to be a, the most unpredictable. I mean, it is the most unpredictable season there is, just because of those, you know, uh, of the World Cup, especially and these new teams in the Europe and these Europa League kind of games. So we all want to see our players go to the World Cup, except this year. This year, I want everybody <laughs> sitting back in Frankfurt, training, resting, but. You know, you know, really, you want all your guys out there, but this is just a weird year, uh, and we're going to have to get used to the compact schedule, the weird alignment through the the typical winter pause. I don't know. Uh, there's going to be wild stuff happening, which is why it's so critical to take points now. And, hey, we left the weekend with three points, and a winning streak starts with one. So we'll see where this goes. Exactly. Uh, Matt, I'm not the football expert you are. I excel in another field, which is why we're going to transition to my favorite subject, hashtag, what are we drinking? 
<laughs> what well, have you got today? Well, I never bring anything so extravagant as you guys do just because I'm, you know, still in my 20s, still paying off my college loans. I just don't have the budget for it. So here I am sitting in my queen's apartment with a good old Coors Light, keeping it crisp, you know, enjoying these last summer days before, you know, we bunker down for, which is arguably exciting football season, but I'm not excited for the cold. So, um, you know, here's to these last crisp summer sort of nights to Coors Light. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm not a fan of Coors, but I had one this weekend and I, at, a, at a bonfire. And I'll tell you what, that is a good bonfire beer. It works. It keeps you cool in front of the fire, too. Yeah, indeed. Uh, job's finding. Uh, <laughs> so, tonight, unpaid advertisement. Unpaid. Um, tonight, I brought something to the show um, from a rival city of mine, from Chicago, Illinois. Goose Ugh. Island. Um I'm not a big Goose Island fan, but they do have one beer that is outstanding, and it found its way to my fridge. That's the 312 Urban Wheat Ale. Oh, uh, yeah. Good stuff. The, very, the, very good stuff. The yellow and black label, right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. That's their, that's their only good beer. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm, I'm not a Chicago guy, but once in a while, they put out something good like this, and uh, definitely happy to enjoy it tonight. So, uh, to whoever you're drinking to the Eintracht, Prost. We'll be back for segment two. Welcome back to Hey on Track Frankfurt, segment two, Matt in New York, Chris in Detroit. We talked about on Track Frankfurt and Werder Bremen. Now we're going to talk about a friendly of sorts uh, coming up this week at the City Forest Stadium. Um, a farewell match, thanks to COVID, or not Goat. thanks to COVID. Uh, it's been a, a long wait, but it's certainly a deserved wait for a farewell match for... The one the and goat. only Alex Meyer, football god. Yeah, you uh, think about top athletes like Tom Brady, LeBron James, Diego Maradona, Pele. The list goes on. Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi. I mean, Alexander fucking Meyer. He's up there. Yeah. Uh, Matt, the, the match will take place at 7.30 uh, Central European time in Frankfurt. It's 1.30 on the East Coast of the U.S., 10.30 on the West Coast. The match will be on Sport 1. Uh, if you have a VPN, illegal or illegal or legal, I don't care. Tune into the match. It'd be nice if it was on Eintracht TV, but, you know, whatever. It's not. Um, what do you have in your memory bank of Alex Meyer? Do you have a favorite moment or a, a period that sticks out in his career that really influenced you as a player? I think the all-time moment is him getting the uh Tukunik, or for uh, English-speaking people, the goal-scoring title, you know? I mean, for A, a non-buying a Dortmund player to get it, and B, let alone a Frankfurt player to get it, is definitely incredible. Um, I think that's one of one of his one of my favorite moments, but I think my all-time favorite moment, moment 
needs is his whole overall Frankfurt career with us. You know, he's been through thick and thin with us, going from, you know, relegation to being promoted, going through that whole roller coaster, and then, you know, finding success with us, you know, but getting the DFB Pokal um, and, you know, all the, and being the DFB final, you know. I mean, He's done everything. I mean, he he was the Bundesliga's Peter Crouch, essentially, except for not being so lanky and not being shit at soccer. He was actually like, uh, well, he was a little lanky, but he actually had some control to his lankiness. You know, he had amazing goals. He had important goals for us. He had incredible volleys. I mean, he had a head made out of metal. I'm I, His whole career was absolutely outstanding with us, and I mean... The way, you know, I'm glad we were able to get him a trophy with the DFB call and his, like, kind of farewell thing. But holy moly, man. I mean, what a legend. To, uh, what a legend and what an honor to be, you know, watch this person, watch this absolute legend's, you know, career kind of go from start to finish with Frankfurt. So, I mean, it is a long-awaited, you know, farewell match for the gut, Fußball Guts. And, I mean, the teams that they have lined up is, are, are incredible. I'm not too sure if we're able to see the uh, the lineups here, Chris, but um, I'm just going to go through some of the names here that are go ahead. Abs- absolute, you know, um, Legends as well in the game. So there's two teams. There's uh, two uh, team Innenseite, which I means is the in, inside, I, I guess, the in, inside of the field. The other one is Team Tupf. So I don't know if these names are any relevant or whatsoever. But on the Team Tupf thing, some big names. Obviously, Kevin Trapp, legend. Sebastian Young, right back, legend. David mm-hmm. Abraham, El Capitano, legend. Heiko Butcher. Don't know if you remember him a little bit, but... Another legend, Sebastian Roden itself, Ervin Scala, or freaking number seven. Um, Hinti, obviously. Am- Amanatidis is going to be playing as well. Uh, Jan Zimmermann, which is going to be interesting. I wonder if he's going to be a goalie playing the field, but that's going to be fun too. Um, and then obviously, uh, Stefan Lexa, another, you know, skillful midfield that we had in a while. And then obviously in the back, Marco Ross. I mean, him and Meyer back on the team again. It's just going to be something. Just, you know, I'm trying to think of the word, the, the right word it is. Uh, deja vu. You know, it's going to be yeah. awesome. And then uh, the, the traders are hilarious, too. It's freaking, freaking, uh, uh, what's his name? Friedhelm Funke and Amin Faye on, on opposite <laughs> sides. Doesn't get better than believe that. They're gonna let, I cannot believe they're going to let Vey back in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, God bless him. He kept coming back, but, oh. <laughs> but this this is his to team lead. too. This is his team. So yeah, he's yeah. got Lukas Radetzky. So he's making the trip down from Leverkusen. That's awesome. Asib is back there. Mike Franz, like holy shit, Mike Franz, like scary motherfucker. Um, Timmy uh, Perman Schwegler as well. He's making an appearance. Carlos Sombrano, Benjamin Kula, JJ Okocha as well. He's gonna rub the dust off his shoes. Um, <laughs> Anthony Yeboa uh, as well, joining JJ and dusting off their. Um, Dust up there. Patrick Ox is going to make the appearance too. I mean, Stefan Eichner. I mean, these. Oh, and Alex Meyer as well is on this team. So maybe Meyer is playing on both teams, it seems. Meyer's like. going both ways. He's switching at halftime. Gotcha, gotcha. So that makes sense. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean. I hope they have oxygen on the sideline because some of these guys. <laughs> I, I don't think they'll there. need it. I think the, the 30,000 fans that are going to be going to this game are going to give them everything. Yeah, you know they're going to show up strong. Uh, I think it's awesome to see some some guys still playing, uh, you know, like Radetzky. It shows the amount of respect they have for Alex Meyer, for guys like him who have a you know a much needed off day uh, in the middle of the week to spend that um, paying tribute to a former teammate 
and one that was so important uh, is huge. For me, um, my Alex Meyer moment, I was actually in the stadium the last match um, when he received the cannon, and he wasn't uh, dressed, but he was injured, what, the last two or three matches of the season, I think, and still walked away with it. Yeah. Uh, says a lot. Um, I was in the stadium, and the salute that he gave to the fans and the way it was reciprocated right back is just is such an emotional, powerful moment. I think we beat Cologne like five to three in that one too. Uh, it was such a big day, but I think my favorite moment of all time, and it, it didn't really mean a lot um, given where things were in the table, but I'm pretty certain his last touch in the Volstadion was a goal. If I'm not wrong, he came on as a sub and scored a goal on his final touch um, of regular season Bundesliga play. And just to see him go out there with, with the goal and then um, the parade after winning the Pokal finale, it's just an extraordinary feather in his cap to his time in Frankfurt. And we could do a whole episode on the guy. Um, he's training the youth now. Uh, he's going out for his level B license right now. And, you know, with, with his drive, he's going to get that A license. And gosh, if someday he makes it to that touchline, not trying to push Glasner out anytime soon, but um, if we could see Alex Meyer. legend, coaching Eintracht would be awesome. It's tough when you get a legend at a club because being a manager is so much different. Uh, there's so many more variables in play. They never last as long as the players do. You never want to see a legend strike out as a, as a manager. Um, but his legend is so solidified, it doesn't matter what the results would ever be. It, he will forever be a legend. And I sure hope between him and Hasebe and some of our other longtime legends that stuck it out with the club longer than they were ever you know, expected to, uh, I would just love for him to get that opportunity someday. Yeah. Moving on to uh, the rest of the current squad. Uh, the, it, it's what Nathan, producer Nathan, likes to call silly season. Uh, and things kind of quieted down after Kostic left for Italy. Um, but Italy's back in the discussion again. Uh, one of your favorites, uh, Aiden Rustic, is being linked with Verona. What are your thoughts on that? It's tough. I mean, I see a lot of potential in this kid, you know, and when I when I say a lot of potential, it's, you know, all the times he checks into the game, all um, the few times he played last year, you know, or actually also started a game. So I'm obviously not there on the practice basis and stuff like that. I can only go based on what we limit lim, the limit amount of content we get here. And I still see a lot of potential in him and it sucks that we can't keep him, but I honestly, I'm on the kind of side where I don't really want to keep him just because I don't know where he fits in the team currently, especially with making all these um, signings like Gutsa, uh, Mbipe from PSG now, you know, Ali Du, you know, we're making a lot of, you know, he, there's just no place for him on our team. You know, he's not going to get a lot of a lot of time on, uh, with us. Um, I mean, maybe if he goes out alone and something crazy happens and, you know, he, maybe he kills it at, at Verona. Yeah, great. Awesome. We'd love to have him back. You know, at least we still have ownership in him. But I just the, – te- the the acquisitions we made this year and, you know, his lack of playing last year, I mean, it sucks. It sucks. I was on that train as as well as you know. 
and it sucks to um, you know possibly be on that last stop and take that uh, take the exit. So we'll see. We we'll see what happens. But I mean, we still have incredible depth. Are you content with the roster as it is right now? I'm of the belief that Indica's here. He's not leaving. Um, I haven't heard anything official. Um, I mean, Glasner came out, or Hummel's one of the two. Uh, Hellman, I mean, came up with somebody came out and said, um, Indica, uh, sorry, what's his name? Uh, Daichi Kamada is not leaving. Should we just shut it all down with, you know, just a few hours left in the transfer window here? Should they shut down all the speculation and say we're sitting pat? Or do you think we should keep pursuing another move, whether it's cash for Indica or, you know, Rustich for an opportunity elsewhere? Or would you rather stay put where we are? I don't know, because I'm trying to look at the depth right now of our, um, I guess, of our team, essentially. And, I mean, the depth is kind of pretty much there. You know, we have about nine... Two, four, six, eight, nine, ten, ten defensive players. We have about two, four, six, eight, nine midfielders, and we have about five strikers. So we definitely have a lot of depth there. So I guess what oh, I'm, I, the whole Endika situation literally puts my mind in a pretzel, Chris, and I don't know how to get out of it because. He hasn't been playing his his best couple of games as of recently. You know, I mean, Tuta has been shining so much better than him. Amani Torre has been better than him before his injury. Pellegrini look is looking like he's really really good too. But those are all like smaller ish backs. Like Andika's our biggest back right now. I don't I don't know how big Unguene is and stuff like that. You know, once he gets a stride back, you know, I know he's back from injury, but you know, he has to get used to it, used to the team. You know, I don't know how big he is. I'm not sure how big Smolcic is, but the Dika situation is I, I want to get some sort of money from him and I don't want to let him go for free, but I also want to keep him at the same time. So if somehow some team wants to pull like a, a 15, a 20, probably not, probably a $20 million fee for Indica, I think we should take it just, just, just to have the money side of things and we don't let him go for free. Um, and that way we I can build his, up the back. His stock was probably higher before the season started. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been off the charts like he was the last 18 months or so uh, where we could have pulled maybe $30 million for him. Um, but now with a, a lot less time left on his deal, and you said the threat of walking away for free, but, I mean, we have a stud center back who's 23 years old, and that's the kind of guy when you're playing in three competitions to have his kind of energy, he's guaranteed – 90 minutes every match. Um, it's hard to give that up and still try to meet the goals that you have set. So I, it, it's hard to say I'd be willing to let him walk for free, um, but I wouldn't exactly. I think we've done a good job fending off the silly season sort of offers. And unless somebody comes with a really serious offer that we cannot refuse, I think we need to stick with him right now. But that's also the difference that this whole silly season has been for us, where it's like Andika got a lot of noise in like the press and stuff like that, but nothing really came concrete as if it were with like Kostic or with like Kamada. You know, there are there were these teams that were like heavily interested in you know Kamada and Kostic and um, Bore and stuff like that, and so and like 
you know, with Ndike, all we heard was like, oh, like super young, talented center back, you know, great season. Like a lot of big teams have interest in him, but we never had solid interest. They never had really yeah. solid interest in him. So maybe they're seeing something that we're not seeing in terms of like, you know, he's still too young to really be deemed a great center back. And he's only had so much experience in terms of like, you know, the competition, the level of play he's had, especially at a super high level, like the Europa League. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if I was in DK, I would sign another two, three years with Frankfurt and see where it takes us and see if it gets more value. And because in that situation, it's a win-win situation, you know? Well, that's um, just it. If he's happy here, uh, he's probably saying, hey, you know, I'm willing to forego the transfer, but you got to show me the money. Um, it, it, like you said, the big clubs that we thought were going to be calling that were rumored last year for him uh, haven't materialized this time. Verona, you know, they have some money, but they're not the caliber of club that was calling for him last year. So, uh, I mean, part of that is just because he's on a shorter deal, you know, wherever he goes is going to be accepted, expected to, to re-sign him long-term. I certainly hope that's us. It, it needs to be. I mean, I, I mean, it'd be great. I mean, he just turned 23, you know, like not even over uh, did a week ago, I guess nine days is week. Um, but no, he, if we, if we sign him to a long-term contract, you know, we, we have our, I guess our foundation in terms of like our back line, you know? So, Matt, let's move on. Uh, the big discussion this week. We won three points on the weekend against Berta Bremen. The boys are headed back home against a team you may have heard of. Uh, we've seen them once or twice now. And it's not any easier to say the name. I just, I'm going to say it once and then I'll refer to them by other names. But RB Leipzig, um, I hate them. I hate everything about their culture. I hate. Their kits, their stadium is atrocious with the cartoons on the walls. Thankfully, it's this one will be at our stadium. I I can't stand them. The longer they're in the league, the more I just pray to God they get relegated. Yeah, I mean, it sucks to because it, it, it seems like we're at the start of this kind of era with these like corporate soccer teams, you know, with like the City Group, you know, now the the Red Bull Group, so. Yes, the way the way they transformed and the way they, uh, I guess, are and right? how they became who they are, you know, definitely not a pretty picture. But for perspective, um, our transfer market valuation off transfermarket.us, we're valued around two hundred fifty million. Um, their roster is valued at five hundred and seventeen million. Um, that's absurd for a club that's you know. I've, I've been out of college longer than they've even existed, which, you know, I, whatever. It is what it they, is. Let's talk about the match. Yeah, they just, yeah, they joined the Bundesliga six years ago. I'm looking at that. But, um, I mean, it's been a stalemate with them since, like, you know, COVID, I feel like. You know, we've had 1-1 draws. I think we had a 0-0 draw. The last few times, you know, we came on the top, actually, in terms of, like, who were the last winners. Because I think we might have beat them the day of Maple Call, like, 3-1. to one. And then, um, I think, one more time uh, in the season before that. But, you know, history definitely has been on our favor recently. Not, I mean, in terms of, like, you know, getting two wins and, as I'm looking at the stats here, four draws. Uh, back to back, um, but I think I think I think there's a couple things that it well, that is going to be in our favor. It's like you know, one, like I said at the at the beginning of this episode, you know, we have arrived. 
you know, we have arrived to the Bundesliga. Okolo Mane is even fighting his stride more and more. Um, another thing which is kind of nuts is, uh, you know, Leipzig has lost to Berlin 2-1. to one. You know, they tied Köln 2-2. Two to two. Um, they haven't really had the best start to their season. You know, they beat Wolfsburg 2 nothing, but what does that have to say with anything, you know? Um, what's also in our favor is Leipzig actually has to play a DFB game uh, either tomorrow or on Thursday. So that should be interesting for them. So they'll probably be fairly fatigued when they play us on Saturday. So... Listen, I think I think we're gonna come out on top of here. I think we owe the home fans a win um, in our home stadium. So, you know, I really think we're gonna win the game two to one here. Interesting. It, you know, if you'd asked me last weekend to look ahead at this one, I think I would have felt a little worse. But seeing our performance and running against a team that wanted to play wide open, that did play wide open, and we were content with that. I think that's kind of what we should expect from Leipzig. They have a lot of speed. Um, Timo Werner's back from Chelsea, which right. Leipzig is crazy. a different team with Timo Werner. Absolutely. Um, apparently, you know, Andre Silva just wasn't cutting it for them. Surprise. <laughs> ah, weird. A Frankfurt player leaving to go somewhere <laughs> the, the that doesn't work out. Greener until weird. you get over there. Weird. Um, but. I'm kind of with you. Uh, these matches have been tight for a couple of years with them now, and we're growing up. We're it's it's been a struggle the last few weeks, but you can see the guys getting more comfortable. You can see them um, utilizing their individual talent and finding guys to partner with. Uh, Muani is an X factor every time he's on the pitch now. And the way he passed back to Goza was extraordinary. Jesper Lindstrom finding the goal on his own, which has been a real struggle. He's passed the ball well, um, but getting that finishing touch for him, that's a mental thing. I've been saying it since we signed him. Um, he's an extraordinary talent with a whole lot of mental struggles out there. And once we saw it last year, once he gets a nice goal, in his favor, he is unstoppable. So I think our front line and their speed and creativity is going to keep us in the match against a lot of teams um, that have that front end speed. If we can keep the ball at the opposite end of the pitch from Leipzig's front end, um, I, I see us with an opportunity to win. And I'm even going to call a late winner from Daichi Kamada. And we will officially retire Kamada Island if he pulls off a winner this week. I'll actually, I'll, I'll call Brian. I'll demand that um, we have like a swear jar for that, uh, for that island. Every time you mention it, you got to like donate money to charity or something. Because I love the way he's played so far this year. And I think he's going to break out this weekend with a nice goal to give us a 2-1 victory. Kanada Kamada Island is if he's if he does that, I think we should officially retire that name and then uh whenever Brian gets back, uh we'll we'll give him the opportunity to lift the banner and um <laughs> I, I guess uh what's it called? Conquer Kamada Peninsula. So That's right. That's right. It'll it'll be a continent by the time Brian's back. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you say? Two one? Yes, sir. I, I think I think good guys come out 2-1, come home with their first home victory. 
All right. I've got us down as 2-1 also. Uh, we want to hear your feedback. What do you listeners think is going to happen this weekend? And how do you tell us that? Well, let me tell you how to interact with us. Um, well, before we, we do on, that, Brian yeah. uh, Brian also predicts 2-1 loss for the good guys. So if you guys want to give him shit, you know where to find him. Well, that's why we didn't invite him on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, uh, two, one seems to be the theme this week, uh, whether it's for the good guys or the bad guys, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens, um, to get in touch with the show, to give us your feedback, to tell us how much you miss Brian and want Chris to stop talking, uh, find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash half pod on Twitter, uh, at H E F pod and Matt, you're doing outstanding work on Instagram at Hey on track Frankfurt. Hell yeah. Try to keep it growing. Give us a follow. Give us some likes on the posts, like the stories, you know, and even share, share our content because uh, we want to we want br- to bring this club to the world. And the, this club does deserve world attention. So any, anything, any way you guys can share and help us uh, be greatly yep. appreciated. And tell us where you gather. Tell us where you're watching the match. Uh, if you want to meet up with other Eintracht fans, uh, we're working on building some tools to interact. So you tell us where you're watching and we'll tell the world and we'll get all these eagles out of their basements and out at the bars. Uh, Matt, uh, where are you on social media? Yeah, you can find me at the Twitterscape at WAGMA underscore and then on the Instagram underscore Wagner8. And you can find me, Twitter, Instagram, Peloton, Discord, all the socials at C in the D 313. So that wraps it up for us here. Episode 234 of Hey on Track Frankfurt. It's been a fun one. We will see you after this weekend with 235. And we're going to have a whole lot to talk about next week. So until next time, cheers. The one and only Alexander fucking Meyer. Football God. The GOAT. Hey, I'm